0: Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, The Network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA Production, where people gather. Welcome to the mansion on the hill. This is the home of Terry's mysterious moments. Stories of oddness, of weirdness, of nature gone strange. This is season four. We thank you for coming along for the ride. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, my Mysterian friends. We're going to take a visit to England, sort of. Are Roman soldiers still tramping around England? At the treasurer's house in York, a plumber was called in to run a new series of pipes. The job required him to work in the basement. He saw that the floor had been cleared away in an area and revealed the old Roman-era roadway beneath it. As he set to work, he heard something strange. A musical note, he thought, or something like it. He looked around and saw the helmet of a Roman legionnaire. But this helmet was on the head of a legionnaire, and it was walking through the area the plumber was working in. The man watched as the Roman walked out of the wall and across the room. As the man went out the other wall, a horse followed with a Roman rider. It was followed by at least 20 Roman soldiers marching in formation behind. Details of the uniforms were clear to the man, and he later described things that only historians could clarify. Oddly enough, the soldiers and the horse were only visible from about knee high until they reached the area where the old road was exposed. At that point, he could see the entire bodies from the sandals up. Very accurate descriptions of the soldiers' armor, clothing, and weaponry was on target. One detail drew questions, though. He said the troops carried rounded shields, not round shields, just rounded, maybe oval, instead of the typical rectangular Roman shields. The metal-round boss was in the center, but the rounded shield caught people off guard until it was proven that units of troops made up of conquered peoples and auxiliary troops carried rounded or oval-shaped shields. The plumber, shivering in terror watching this scene unfurl, waited for just one of the soldiers to deflect their gaze in his direction, and he thought it would be all over. But all the soldiers maintained a straight ahead gaze until they disappeared through the far wall. Then the man escaped the basement and told his story outside. In the countryside around Colchester, in the East Anglian marshland, specifically around West Mersey Island, the Romans were well represented. They had made Mersey Island home with farms and villas and they had a Roman princess. Rumor had it she was married to a centurion from Colchester, and it further says that she was buried in a large burial mound near the main road. Locals say the Romans never left and are still active in the area. One lady who lives near the burial mound says, back in 1987, she was awakened late at night by the sounds of two horses and then of heavy wooden wheels going by her house. She says the strewed, which is what the causeway between the island and the mainland is called, was covered by the sea so no one could come from the mainland. A friend who was staying with her heard the sounds too, but the friend's husband wasn't stirred. The sounds came by the house and went away from the strewed and off toward the burial mound. The lady says she kept horses on her farm, and the horses were not even bothered by the sounds. Others in the area have heard the sounds of ghostly horses, long-gone carts, and seen long-dead images of Roman soldiers, possibly even the centurion on his way to the burial mound. Two men, returning from Colchester and, to clarify, yes, they had been at a pub, they crossed the strewed and were surprised by a figure stepping out from behind a barn beginning to move toward the mound. The two men jumped out of their car and began chasing the figure for about 400 yards until the figure turned and looked at them and disappeared. Another couple had just come off the Strood at another time and came up alongside a walking Roman soldier. The wife made mention of it to her husband, who dismissed it, but turned the car around to check it out. As they passed the figure, the husband saw it, and the wife described the figure's garb, its armament, its physical attitude, said it was well-dressed, and carried itself firmly, proudly. Turning the car around again, the figure had gone. How do these things come about? How are they seen? Researchers in the field of parapsychology have coined a term called the stone tape theory as an attempt to explain hauntings or ghost sightings. The idea is that a great burst of psychological energy, such as high emotions from violence, death, or terror, can leave psychic impressions on a place and that later Someone who has great psychic abilities can act as the power and conduit to allow the scenes to be replayed. This may have some validity, especially in scenes which are replayed over and over again, but which are simply repeated time after time. But what are those other hauntings or experiences? What are those situations that seem to be intelligent? Such as this story, The Drum Inn in Cockington was the scene of an intelligent, if confusing, haunting. Cockington is in the far south of England, near Torquay. It is a beautiful little place, but back in the 70s, the Drum Inn in Cockington became a hangout for motorcyclists. It actually had an effect on the village as people would steer clear because of the bikers. But the Drum had something else, a ghost. Of a motorcyclist in full leather gear and carrying, or sometimes wearing, a helmet. He would sometimes appear as a full-on apparition, sometimes just as a very apparent feeling. The workers of the pub were affected by the spirit when they had to go into the cellar. Others would feel someone behind them at various locations. One lady witnessed a leather-clad biker coming down the stairs. Her guard dog, oddly, didn't react to this stranger, but she said he was removing his gloves as he walked, and as she turned to greet him, he disappeared. At another time, a musical group from nearby Plymouth was invited to provide live music for the pub. The lead singer had been raised as a gypsy and described herself as a psychic-sensitive. The group was sitting around prior to their set and someone mentioned to the landlady about a happening which had occurred there some point in the past which led to the entire group going into the basement to try to sense the entity. Nothing came of it and the lead singer asked to be left alone down there and everyone obliged. Within a few minutes, something happened and the lady believes what she saw was real. She said she had an encounter with the spirit. A man walked out of a dark cupboard and said hello, and they began a conversation. She gave a description of him, about five foot nine, wearing all leather, long-legged, carrying his helmet. She couldn't describe his features as she couldn't really see his face. She said he spoke with a local accent, and the conversation was about as normal as one might expect even though one side of the convo was being done by a spirit. The spirit talked about how he loved spending time with his bike, cleaning it, shining it, and even talking with his friends. His life after death seemed to be going on much as it would if he were still in the corporeal world. Death didn't seem to put the kibosh on him being normal. She further described him as being somewhat shy, somewhat apologetic of and not intentionally scaring anyone, and not having a stereotypical biker's attitude. He was very respectful, and he rather had a very middle-of-the-road pop-rock musical taste, not into hard rock. Recently, a psychic medium was called into the pub. The medium described nearly perfectly the same entity as the singer had, adding that the biker had died within a few miles of the pub. He was hanging around the pub because it was his favorite hangout when he was alive. He was sad about an experience with a woman which contributed to or led to his accident due to emotional turmoil. The psychic said the young man was indeed bothered by the fact that his being there was frightening to those who worked in the pub. Apparently, the psychic was able to help the young man pass over. Others who were in the basement during this process reported a great emotional upsurge during this rite. Bodman Moor, to the southwest in England, in the area of Cornwall, in fact the entire area of Cornwall, is known to have paranormal activity for a very long time. Ghostly figures, strange beasts, fantasy creatures, and legends of King Arthur abound in the area. Sightings of monks make visitors believe that there is a monastery in the area surrounding St. Nectin's Glen. There was one some 1,500 years ago, but it's long since gone. A story about King Arthur and his knights say they were baptized in the cave at the Glen before they undertook the search for the Holy Grail and in the river at the glen are red stones, which legend says are red because of the blood spilled by Arthur's men at the Battle of Slaughterbridge. As the battle-wearied men made their way back to Tintagel Castle, the blood from their bodies dropped on the stones, and it remains there unto this day as a reminder. Legend tells that King Arthur's final battle was on Slaughterbridge and that he killed Mordred there, but that Mordred had struck a killing blow with his poisoned sword upon Arthur. Arthur died soon after, and Sir Bedivere took Arthur's sword, Excalibur, and threw it into the depths of a nearby lake, where the Lady of the Lake reclaimed the sword for safekeeping, until Arthur would return during England's gravest time of need. At least, that's one version of the legend. Near Tintagel, a Dutch artist and his wife were strolling the area during vacation and saw a man dressed in rather fancy dress, all black, hat with the flipped-up brim, long, nicely embroidered cloak, shiny leather boots, and spurs, and it appeared in the distance but came riding toward them. They described the air as shimmering, and this must have been during summer because he described it as being hot where they were. So I think maybe heat devils, perhaps. You know, when you when you look down the highway and you're driving down in the summer and you see what looks like water. That's what I think they were describing. The rider looked as though he and his horse were above the ground. The rider dismounted, and then the vision disappeared. The couple returned to the beach and they wondered if they had seen King Arthur. A publisher who is very familiar with the legends and spirit stories from Cornwall doesn't believe that the couple saw Arthur, for he believes that Arthur is from a much earlier time. It is his studied opinion that what they witnessed was a manifestation of a more recent time. It was, he believes, a replay, if you will, of a member of the local gentry In the process of checking on his smuggling business. Smuggling was an enormous business back in the day, as the king's taxes had all but bankrupted the common folk and the gentry. In the local hostelry called Jamaica Inn, in the Bodmin Moor area, scenes from bygone days seemed to replay when least expected. Often are heard sounds of wagons, coaches. Horses and many people talking and making sounds, as if at a busy travel station. And it's not just a few minutes of sound at a time. It can last for hours, according to the owners. And it doesn't fade away when the living notice it either. The cook at Jamaica Inn has had a visitor at times sweep through her kitchen. At least, the visitor's cloak sweeps through her kitchen. She's seen it come in one door and out another toward the barn. When she experiences it, she simply locks herself in the kitchen where she feels safest. A man who worked as head chef at Jamaica Inn tells of leaving the inn after work around 11 p.m. with the co-worker and driving home. About two miles down the road, they rounded a corner, and he said to his friend, "'Did you just see something?' To which the friend replied, "'I know what I saw, but what did you see?' It was by mutual agreement that they continued toward their destination, for what they had seen was a man hanging from a tree. A vision of smuggler's justice of days gone by, perhaps? In the nearby village of Alternun lies the house called Penthallow, A vicarage in days past, the house holds perhaps a sordid secret. To lend credence to this idea is the fact that the former vicar is not buried beside his wife—nobody knows where she's buried—but rather he's interred beside his housekeeper, who may or may not have been his lover, and they are buried just outside the gate of the house. The housekeeper has been seen in the house, at the back door, looking out. Her presence is not regarded as mean-spirited or nasty. Perhaps she finds it odd that her sphere of influence has been invaded by an establishment which sells spirits. A guest reported waking in the night to find a lady in a gray Quaker-like dress standing next to her bed, but again, no problems. The vicar has been seen on occasion within the house in an upstairs room, which was perhaps his old study, pacing to and fro as though working out his next sermon, an entity was witnessed outside the house. It was a nondistinct mass, which came down the path by the church and left through the closed gate and proceeded up the road. When the witness described this experience, he was told of a young woman who had followed the same path and drowned in a swampy area beyond the edge of town. A psychic medium was called in to get her take on the vicarage and gave indications confirming the stories of an affair and of a young girl who worked in the kitchen and drowned just outside of town. To many with an interest in the strange, the mysterious, and yes, the paranormal, the name Bodmin Moor might conjure up stories of black cats of some size and the phrase, the Beast of Bodmin Moor. In British folklore, the Beast of Bodmin Moor, also known as the Beast of Bodmin, is a phantom wild cat purported to live in Cornwall. Bodmin Moor became a center of purported sightings after 1978, with occasional reports of mutilated slain livestock. The alleged panther-like cats of the same region came to be popularly known as the Beast of Bodmin Moor. In general, scientists reject such claims because of the improbably large numbers necessary to maintain a breeding population and because climate and food supply issues would make such purported creatures' survival in reported habitats unlikely. But science has been wrong in the past. Is science once again wrong? A long-held hypothesis suggests the possibility that alien big cats at large in the United Kingdom could have been imported as part of private collections or zoos, and later escaped or been set free. An escaped big cat would not be reported to the authorities due to the illegality of owning and importing the animals. It has been claimed that animal trainer Mary Chipperfield released three pumas into the wild following the closure of her Plymouth Zoo in 1978, and that subsequent sightings of the animals gave rise to rumors of the beast. The Ministry of Agriculture Fisheries and Food, conducted an official investigation in 1995. The study found that there was no verifiable evidence of exotic felines loose in Britain and that the mauled farm animals could have been attacked by common indigenous species. The report stated that no verifiable evidence for the presence of a big cat was found there is no significant threat to livestock from a big cat on Bodman Moor. Less than a week after the government report, a boy was walking by the river Fowey when he discovered a large cat skull. Measuring about four inches long by seven inches wide, the skull was lacking its lower jaw but possessed three sharp, prominent canines that suggested that it might have been a leopard. The story hit the national press at about the same time as the official denial of alien big cat evidence on Bodmin Moor. Ultimately, though, the skull was disqualified as being part of the suspect. There have been numerous reports of eyewitness sightings in Exmoor, too. However, the official Exmoor National Park website lists the beast under traditions, folklore, and legends. And the BBC calls it the famous yet elusive beast of Exmoor. Descriptions of its coloration range from black to tan to dark gray. It has been suggested that the beast may possibly be a cougar or black leopard, which was released from a private collection sometime in the 60s or 70s after a law was passed, making it illegal for them to be kept in captivity outside of zoos. However, considering that cougar and leopard life spans are 12 to 15 years, This is unlikely. In 2006, the British Big Cat Society reported that a skull found by a Devon farmer was that of a puma. However, the Department for Environment, Food, and Rural Affairs states that, based on the evidence, DEFRA does not believe that there are big cats living in the wild in England. Eyewitness testimony has produced a number of different descriptions. Most accounts report the animal as being a large cat, either resembling a puma or a panther. It is recorded as being somewhere between 4 and 8 feet from nose to tail, standing very low to the ground, and as having the ability to leap over 6-foot-tall fences with ease. Descriptions of its coloration range from black to tan or dark gray. No such cat is native to England, and the variations in description have led some cryptozoologists to believe that there might be more than one creature. Sightings of the beast of Exmoor were first reported in the 70s, although the period of its notoriety began in 1983 when a South, molten farmer named Eric Lay claimed to have lost over 100 sheep in the space of three months, all of them apparently killed by violent throat injuries. There was even a report of the beast seen fishing with its paw into the river Barl at Simons Bath, while some locals theorized that its lair might be in old mine workings on the moor. The Daily Express offered a reward for the capture or slaying of the beast. Farm animal deaths in the area have been sporadically blamed on the beast ever since. Photographs have been produced on at least three occasions, one of which appeared in the West Somerset Free Press in 1989, taken by the Lewis family of Blue Anchor, and all appear to show a big cat with the features of both a puma and a panther. Most observers and scientists believe that the sightings are merely escaped domestic cats whose size has been greatly exaggerated, or else of large dogs that have been misidentified. The livestock deaths have often been attributed to these large dogs, although human attacks on the sheep have also been suspected. So what are the humans? Werewolves? Although large cats are not native to England, some people have kept exotic animals, and in the mid-1970s, this became something of a fad. It is inevitable that some have escaped over the years, and conceivable that they created a small group of big cats living hidden in the Exmoor area's countryside. In particular, the 1976 Dangerous Wild Animals Act, which controlled the keeping of big cats, among other things, led to the mass release of many privately owned wild cats. Some descriptions of the beast attribute to it the features of both a puma and a leopard, Although these animals have been hybridized by Carl Hagenbeck in captivity, the offspring were always found to be dwarfed and short-lived. One such hybrid is preserved in the Zoological Museum at Tring. The name for such a hybrid is a pard. Because male big cat hybrids are always sterile, a self-perpetuating race of puma leopard hybrids is not possible. The apparent mix of features is probably due to inexpert witnesses rather than hybrid or origin. Soon after 1983, in response to increased reports of livestock death and sightings of the beast, the Ministry of Agriculture ordered the Royal Marines to send snipers into the Exmoor Hills. Although some Marines claim to have seen the beast fleetingly, No shots were fired, partially because of the risk of the Marines' high-powered sniper rifle bullets passing straight through the creature's body and then causing injury to humans or livestock, etc., and the number of attacks on livestock dwindled. During the search, the Marines' commanding officer was quoted as saying that their quarry behaved with high, almost human intelligence and always moved with surrounding cover amongst hedges and woods. Ultimately, the marines were recalled from the field, after which the attacks on the local sheep allegedly increased. By 1987, the creature was connected to over 200 farm animal deaths. More recent attacks were reported in 95 and 2001. The ministry continued to study the reported sightings into the mid-1990s before concluding that the beast was either a hoax or myth, and that the alleged sightings had been mistaken identifications of creatures native to the Exmoor area. Ghosts, spirits, fantasy creatures, strange beasts. The United Kingdom is known for many of these things. Some witnesses tell their stories as calmly as I talk about my recent visit to the grocery store. Some tell their stories in a shaky, frightened, and terrified manner, as though if speaking about them will bring them back. I simply tell my stories as observations. They happened. I offer no interpretations. I haven't got any lofty psychological or scientific explanations. But I admit, I am a junkie for spooky and strange stories. Well, that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Be with me next week as we come back with another story or another group of stories for Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, which is listener stories that Aaron tells, mostly ghost stories. On Tuesdays, we have Aaron Frail with Aaron's Horror Show where he reviews horror movies, different books, uh, things that he's written. Wednesdays, it's me, Terry's Mysterious Moments, with me, Terry from Texas, where we cover just about anything you can think of. We also have video productions on the first Friday of the month from Full Dark Productions, from The Witching Hour, and from Unexplained Cases. Also remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have an Apple or an Android. You can go to your app store, look for the RPA app. It's a black square with a blue eye right in the middle of it. You can't miss it. And you can download that app, install it into the device you listen to the programs on. And that way you will not have to go looking for the programs. They'll be right there. Do that. It'll be a lot easier for you to get to the stories. That's about it. I hope everybody has a good week. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye.